Hello church. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about racism. We have all been struck by the magnitude of the upheaval going on in our nation right now. Hopefully, the Lord has been speaking to our souls many gut-wrenching truths about the evil of racism that he needs us to hear. As your shepherd, I want to encourage all of us to seek God about how we are being confronted to live in these days. As his people, it is incumbent on us to not be swayed by the many voices all around us or to lean on our own understanding, but to listen to the voice of the one who has made us all. We seek his truth. Racism is an attitude of hate that has been seeped into us, which then gets lived out in our actions, affecting generations, and is completely opposite of who God is and who he calls us to be. As a pastor, I know that some who hear this will think that the church shouldn't talk about political matters. While race is political, the base of the word politics is affairs of the city, which affect all of us. At its core, matters of race are a kingdom issue because all humans are made in the image of God. There is not one person who is superior to another for any reason. And because of this, racial justice is part of God's heart. The church must speak about such matters that are foundational to the gospel of Christ, whose truths are found in scripture. Today, I want to share some thoughts with you on the subject from the parable of the Good Samaritan. Nancy did such a good job retelling the story, but let's read it from the Bible from Luke 10, 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Jesus, we come humbly before you today, giving you thanks for the vastness of your kingdom. We are grateful that you are the Lord of all people groups and all nations. May we see the world as you see it. We look to you, Jesus, to root out our complacency, sin, silence, and fear. We ask for true healing of our hearts and of our nation, which will come only when we are honest with you in all things. This is not an easy reality for us. So we ask for your grace as you give us your truth. In the name of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. This beloved parable, found only in the Gospel of Luke, serves as a springboard for our subject today. I will be giving a bit of context as we go along. However, since it's a familiar story to us, we don't need much. Here is what we see. A lawyer asks the Lord what he must do to inherit eternal life. In response to Jesus's call to love God and neighbor, the man seeks to look good by clarifying who that neighbor might be, leading Jesus to teach that the correct response to God's love is to be merciful, using a person who was hated because of their race as the hero of the story. What can we learn from Jesus today about racism? I see three ideas here. The first is how we as a people seek to justify ourselves. Let's start with the expert of the law asking the question. He comes to Jesus, he actually stands, they must be in a crowd, to ask what he must do to inherit eternal life. This in itself is curious as a way to word this, do we earn what we inherit or is it graciously given to us because we're part of a family? When Jesus asks the man what the law says, he answers by citing the Shema, the foundational prayer found in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, which is at the center of the Jewish understanding of faith in God. Jesus himself uses this prayer to distill the entire law of Moses for those who would follow him. We are to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The lawyer knows this and Jesus affirms his answer, telling him that if he goes and does this, he will live. You know what to do, do love. Yet the man persists. And Luke tells us that he wants to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? He wants to know. We weren't there, nor are we privy to the man's private thoughts to see if he's looking for a debate 
or a loophole in how Jesus will answer. They are in a group with others, it seems. Perhaps he wants to be noticed for his answer as the smartest in the room. To want to be justified shows that he might not be as interested in learning as much as he wants to gain advantage over the one with whom he is conversing, who in this case is Jesus. Often when we talk about difficult subjects like race, we seek to make our voices heard. Sometimes we want an excuse to tell others our viewpoint. Yet this is not the posture of learning or receiving from others, especially others who live out their racial identity every day as people of color. Who is my neighbor? Sounds like a confrontation, a desire to keep the conversation at an academic distance instead of one which would lead to understanding of how actually to live it out. We might see this as wanting to know the boundary of the love being called to give, to know where the exclusion lines are set, who is in Jesus and who is out. Can't I just love those who are like me? Can't I just love those in my neighborhood? This seems to be at the core of racism. How we think of ourselves determines who, will we, who, we, who we will regard as our neighbor. If we value something about us that others don't have, such as the color of our skin, then we won't value those who are different than we are. An honest question before God might be this, Jesus, I want to love my neighbor, but I struggle with what that means. Now, I'm not an expert at all on race. I have a lot to learn. However, one truth I have gleaned is that humility is the posture we must take before God as we wrestle with the prejudices that we have if we keep the real conversations at arm's length, choosing instead to debate, or because we don't want to hear how we should change, we won't get into the real issues the Lord needs us to live into. Jesus, knowing what the man truly needed to hear, tells a story aimed straight for the heart of the matter. There is also a different kind of justification happening here with those who pass the man by. It reminds us how we can talk a lot about what God expects of us, even proclaim it or teach it, yet it is our daily practices that show what we really believe. Jesus gives an example of two people who walk on the other side of the street, specifically on the other side of the street, from the injured man, studiously avoiding him. One is a priest who officiated at the temple and the other a Levite who helped the priest with various tasks. How did they justify not stopping to help? In the same way we do, we're busy. We don't want to get involved. It's, it's much easier to ignore than to engage, even when another human might be dying on the street. Jesus doesn't tell us 
why the travelers avoid the man, just that they do. Yet avoiding him means they are sidestepping what God requires of them. We tend to compartmentalize those who we think deserve our attention and those who we think don't. But as Christians, that is not a luxury we are afforded. No matter who is in need, Jesus says, even our enemy, we are to give to them. Did those who passed by see someone who was beneath them in some way? One commentator said, because the road was incredibly treacherous, the one who was robbed got what he deserved. Really? Blaming the victim is so classic. And this is often how racism is perpetuated. Because it says that the person should have known better than to do what they were doing or to be where they were. Blame is easy when the person speaking is safe and not experiencing any discrimination. We will always have the option of looking away and avoiding the pain racism brings. Yet we have a God who teaches us to stop going about our way, going about our day, and to look to see where people are hurting around us. The question when we are confronted with racism is what will we do? The second idea here comes from how Jesus uses a Samaritan in the story on purpose. He could have said, well, everyone is your neighbor. Instead, he uses a story to shift the entire conversation, catching everybody off guard. Jesus intentionally wove the narrative around two groups of people who were not good neighbors at all, but enemies whose bias was based on differences they refused to overcome. Samaritans were thought to be heretics in the Jewish mindset. Let's back up and remember that Jesus was Jewish and lived in a specific time and place. He lived in an occupied land where his people were not the dominant culture. The Romans were. And the Romans considered themselves to be the most important in everything they did, in every sector of life. And while the Hebrew people were put down and oppressed by the Romans, they themselves had biases against others, and the Samaritans were one of those groups. They avoided contact whenever possible because they considered Samaritans to not be pure. The Samaritans had intermarried with pagans and were unfit then to be on equal par with them. They had been people of God's covenant who didn't value the covenant enough to stay there. <clears throat> this is a simple rendering of a complex issue. But let's acknowledge one thing. There are levels in most societies in the world where some groups are considered more important than others. There is usually a stronger, more powerful group based on race, economics, or political power, which keeps other groups from getting ahead. This is wrong, as the more powerful will often use whatever means they can to stay in power. 
Jesus here is pointing out how the lowly Samaritan was the only one in the story who acted with love. Not the characters whom the audience would expect. Jesus elevates a hated person as a model of someone who can do good. Because he's telling us that all people are equal in how God has created us. The Lord is calling out bias for what it is, making those who have it and those who perpetuate it uncomfortable. I've seen a lot of bias in my life. I grew up with racism all around me, including in my home. Things were said about certain groups of minorities that were demeaning and pejorative. Those people are lazy. Those people are criminals. Those people are no good. I heard lots of jokes told at the expense of others because of their country of origin or the color of their skin. There was a contemptuous sarcasm when talking about people of other races and an anger at those who would try to come up in the world and infringe on the place that should belong to white people. Yet there was also deep friendship with people from other race groups. And these relationships taught me about disparity and how to value differences, which gave me a new way of understanding the world. I saw clearly some of the privilege I had, even at a young age. I saw how I was helped by it and I understood and do understand this truth so much more as I've matured. These juxtapositions are ones I had to wrestle with as I've had to decide who I am. All of, the, all of us have been brought up with a reality of understanding race, which has shaped us, some of which we must question and lament as we are transformed into God's image. I've had to fight my whole life to get those stereotypes out of my mind. I've had to understand how those messages have infiltrated my soul. And I worked hard to get them out, to ask the Lord to forgive me and to remove me, to remove them, to recognize how easily they influence my thinking. God has had to do a deep work in my soul, which I continue to process about. I have been in situations where I have remained silent when another person made a racial slur or told jokes with hurtful stereotypes. I have made fun of other people, other groups, and made racist comments. I have been complicit in not standing up or speaking out when I should have for my brothers and sisters of color. I have made assumptions about people and made choices which dishonored them in ways that I did not see and other ways I did nothing about. This is how biased bias is passed down and how systematic racism is able to take hold. We make decisions every day about who to hire, who is safe, who to befriend and who to include based on the prejudicial mindset we are taught. Many of us were raised with a lot of bias about other race groups. If we don't acknowledge that bias and allow 
God to remove it, it will continue to do great harm. Jesus's audience would have been shocked to hear him elevate a Samaritan to be the hero of the story. He would have lost some of them that day because they would not have allowed their categories to be changed about people they saw as beneath them. Do you know what would help with our biases? If we stopped acting like they were normal and fine, it would help to be honest about the prejudice and hate we have instead of saying that it doesn't exist. Racial hatred has infiltrated our world at every level and we are seeing the effects, the long-held anger about it from those who have been on the receiving end. Before we begin to make strides in destroying the effects of racial injustice, we must examine our own hearts. Jesus is teaching how we should see the sin of our racism through the lens of his eyes, not anyone else's. Our last idea is how Jesus tells us to choose mercy. This story is highlighting a person who is in distress, who has been beaten and left for dead. Jesus says, no matter what, the best response to the love that you have received from God, to the love that you say you have for God, is to be merciful. This is one way God will judge us and is tied into eternal life. What must I do to be saved? You must love who? Everyone. Learning those you think are beneath you actually aren't. How will I know, Lord, that I have loved? When you show mercy to all. There is a long history in our country of racism. Just in this last few months, we have been talking about Ahmaud Arbery. Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. The whole world has erupted because there was no mercy given to those individuals. There was not due process or just cause for what happened to them. And so people are angry and protesting because it was not merciful, which is a pattern which just doesn't seem to end. Imagine your son, your husband, your sister being in one of their situations, run over by a truck because they were out for a run. The authorities coming into their bedroom with guns drawn for a no crime committed and killing them. Having them pressed upon until they died because they just couldn't breathe. You would be outraged because it's not okay. Jesus calls us to be merciful, to love our neighbors regardless of who they are, where they come from, what they look like, or even what they have done. Jesus shows us mercy for our sin when we are still sinners, far from his love. He extends his grace always to us. This grace is free and meant to be what we give to others. To take something that is free and then put conditions on it for others is not what the kingdom of God is about. Why 
Why are we not merciful? This week I saw a vile image of people reenacting George Floyd's death as a way of saying their life was important too. Refusing to acknowledge any mercy at all for what happened to him. We are not merciful because we're afraid. We put people in a separate category than we are so we can shore up our own fragility. We are not merciful because we don't understand what it is. We have refused in some way God's mercy for us or believed that it is for others just as much as it is for us. In the end, when Jesus turned the question around and asked, who was the neighbor of the man who was beaten and robbed? The lawyer just couldn't bring himself to say the word Samaritan. Instead, he simply said, the one who showed mercy. It's a start. Jesus' story causes us to come to a place of introspection and repentance about the comfortable places we stay when others are struggling. Augustine of Hippo in Africa sees this story as an allegory of how Christ comes to save our sin-sick souls. We can go into the world because Jesus comes from heaven to go into the world before us. So how do we go? We might be the one who is picking up the wounded to get them help. We might be the one who is opening our doors of hospitality. We may be the ones who are rebuilding the Jericho Road, as Dr. King says, working to make it a safer place for all those who travel on it. And let's never forget the one who is laying on the road. This could be any of us. But right now, we are being made aware again of how many of our brothers and sisters of color have been beaten down and in some way left to suffer while we all go about our business. We cannot look away. We cannot afford to just keep on going anymore. All of us would want help if it were us or someone we loved lying there. And so we pray in this moment for the Lord to be merciful to us and for us to ask him how it is that we extend his mercy. We pray in this moment that our nation might know true change and healing for the painful legacy of racism we have known. We pray for a new day where there's justice for each person. Let us be the church who goes out, as Jesus has said, to do likewise, to show mercy. And in this way, may we show our love for God. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.